listening to Disrupt Development Storycast on Young Voices for Development in collaboration with Rappout University. In this series, we amplify the voices of young professionals who are following the Advanced Master for International Development at Rutbout University. All right, welcome, dear listener, to our storycast for Disrupt Development. I'm Carlo Bucchi. And I'm Aisha Gucilai. We are two yeah. young professionals working in the development sector following for the AMIT program with Radboud University. We are going to discuss today the topic of challenges in cooperating for change. So, yes, Carlo, last week we had a lecture with Diego Lintaso, postdoc researcher from University of Brasilia. We discussed the different trajectories of Amazon Forest Conservation Agenda and Dr. Lindoso foregrounded the social environmental conflicts among stakeholders on the Amazon forest conservation debate and how CSOs have a crucial role in making the voice of unheard heard and co-create a lasting change by collaborating with the communities and generate a positive impact for them and for the environment. Well, yeah, Ishagul, uh, said that we, we believe that actually also academia can play a crucial role in this transition to create positive changes and deal with raising societal issues. However, we are also very much aware that sometimes transfer academic knowledge insights to the practice can be a challenging process. Likewise, even in the case academia is able to collect this evidence, how this evidence is then used by policymakers and civil society organizations is uh, still debatable and under discussion. For this reason, uh, we will discuss about this topic with Domenico D'Antoni, full professor in business resilience and transformation at Montpellier Business School. Welcome, Domenico, and thanks for being with us. So, Carlo, thanks, uh, Isaac, for your invitation. Thank you so much, Domenico, for coming. So, Domenico, we are curious to hear from you. Like, what's the take and opinion on this debatable topic? What do you think are the main challenges that academia faces in, in its endeavors in bringing change? And what are main hindrance factors that prevent an effective transition from science evidence in science to policymaking sphere? These are excellent questions. Thanks, uh, Carlo and, uh, and Isaac. Um, I would say, I would start from saying that academia has a long tradition of uh, cooperation with, uh, with uh, external stakeholders. Uh, many academic institutions have been born to serve uh, um, you know, either governments or to serve a community of, uh, of farmers uh, or of, uh, you know, societal actors. So it's really in the DNA of, of universities uh, to be present uh, for society. So that um, there are indeed uh, challenges and um, it goes, I think, very much with, uh, with trends over time. What we observe in the past uh, couple of decades, at least, uh, is that um, academic uh, and scientific publications are becoming very, very important for rankings in universities. So because of this reason, universities, uh, rankings also mean a lot in terms of uh, access to funding from students and from governments. Um, So because of this reason, academic institutions are very much interested in uh, um, uh, scoring excellent in terms of publications. And, uh, and recruit and promote uh, their staff based on uh, criteria that have to do with uh, scientific publications. And publications, of course, uh, are underpinned by mm, knowledge production, meaning collecting data, analyzing them, and, uh, 
and bringing them to publication, meaning, you know, building stories uh, that are appealing to journals so that they are uh, published. And that's uh, more and more in the past uh, couple of decades, uh, uh, something that has been driving uh, the publication, the, you know, the, really the, the work of, uh, of academics within academia. So I would say that this is a challenge that in, in our era um, has to do with incentives. The incentives of the staff working within universities does not uh, always or often um, coincide with uh, making a change in society. It's more about uh, maximizing um, maximizing uh, productivity in terms of scientific outputs. The two things uh, do not necessarily go hand in hand. Mm. Now, said that, uh, I think it's important to mention that uh, this is a known problem and there are many attempts to steer um, academic institutions towards uh, back towards relevance. And I'm saying back towards relevance because, in fact, uh, historically, universities uh, were embedded in, um, in society. And in fact, uh, sometimes we, we still find uh, a, a older generation of professors that do not publish that much, but in fact, they have very good contacts with, uh, with actors uh, on the ground. Okay? And with those actors on the ground, uh, they provide input, and th those channels um, of communication can be actually very helpful for, for transformation. But the, the young wave in the past uh, two decades of new academics entering in, they have been grounded in their brain that it's really important uh, to, to think about scientific outputs. Mm -hmm. uh, so get, getting back at today, um, there are attempts to, to revert this trend within academia, and uh, there, are, there are programs, funding programs for universities that are particularly targeting at uh, diffusing knowledge and uh, uh, building new knowledge in transformative ways uh, uh, to make a change in society. So uh, in the Netherlands, for example, uh, we have been working recently with, uh, with some programs by the Dutch, the Dutch scientific organizations, organization um, and the WOTRO uh, Global Science for Development that um, in particular targets um, the creation of consortia between universities and um, civil society organizations and um, uh, small and medium companies in particular um, you know, that, that are acting somehow in, in a disruption of markets uh, to create a novel consortia that, that generate impact in different ways. That in itself is a challenge because it's, it's a little bit of a new trend. I know that not only in the Netherlands, but also in other parts of the world, there are attempts to, to, shift, uh, to shift this trend. And uh, it's not easy, especially because uh, how impact is made, especially when we try to do something very novel, is, um, is hard to measure, it's hard to assess, and it's hard to communicate. So that's a little bit, uh, I hope I summarized a little bit, the challenges, yeah. one challenge, and, uh, and how it's, you know, it, it, it can be faced, uh, but also faces, there are constraints to make changes the way academia works. Yeah, it's, uh, thanks Domenico for these, uh, these actually brilliant insights. I think one of your messages is as well that academia from your last example that you mentioned, has this capacity of being the bridging framework as well, right? From the more practitioner side and also going into more the uh, 
policy making sphere. What I'm what I'm curious to hear is is actually this: like we know that academia has huge potential, also on being the the bridging framework. But sometimes there is this huge debate whether academia can go much more into the practice. But then, like, does it mean substituting the practitioners themselves, or like going much more into the policy domain? So basically, being sure that uh, academic insights and evidence is actually take take on by 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 the by the policy policy makers. Is there an equilibrium on that, or is it right to do so? Because I can imagine also about the frustration of academia that uh, is not actually able to transfer those insights more into the political sphere. Is it um, is there a, a, a silver bullet? Uh, for this, or uh, is actually a, a huge debatable topic? Based on the question that you asked, indeed, there is no silver bullet, and it is a topic uh, of a huge debate. And in particular, academia, in my view, fails to make an impact on society when it tries to substitute actors in society in doing things. So, for example, academia is not able to promote uh, a certain industry, a certain product. It's not able to communicate in general. We are not uh, able to make good laws. Um, So we cannot substitute either marketers. We cannot substitute uh, professional communication companies. We cannot substitute companies themselves that make products. And we cannot substitute policymakers. Um, So if, and there are many times I think of universities uh, um, feeling and, and, and academics uh, feeling frustrated because, you know, they see a gap in society, some, some aspects w- that would need work, some issues that would need work, but um, we lack the competencies to substitute other actors in doing what they do. But I think what academia has uh, very strong potential, potential is, that is in bridging different actors with themselves. Uh, the challenge in doing that is that um, you cannot always bridge the same actors, like uh, depending on the specific situation or the specific historical moment. For example, we know that, for example, small companies in the agri-food sector may be quite disconnected from um, high-tech mm, or, or disconnected from policymaking. And uh, as academics, we may see that there could be potential in building those links. Uh, however, and so, and you know, through our academic uh, endeavors, you know, our classes, uh, our um, our work of networking, the platforms that we have access to the university, the legitimacy that we carry, we can actually make those linkages. But those linkages are not always useful. Um, sometimes those those linkages already exist, and sometimes do not exist. So what I'm basically saying is that academics, to be helpful. In a specific situation, to make transformative change, they need to have a, a basic uh, or, or sometimes in-depth un- uh, understanding of the system that they are embedded in, in particular the system of actors, and, uh, and realize uh, who are the actors that are disconnected and how these bridges can be built. Okay, Because uh, the university has a lot of power, indeed, because of the reputation, because of the knowledge. Uh, that, that we have, but we cannot keep uh, uh, trying to network people in the same way that perhaps do not need to be connected. So we need to be intelligent and adaptive as academics of understanding what are the bridges that need to be built 
depending on the specific situation, the specific country, the specific historical moment. So this work requires a lot of uh, intelligence. Thank you so much, Domenica. It's uh, it's really important that understanding if needs to build bridge or sometimes it's not necessary at, at the same time. So you showed us some of the experience that you involved. You said that um, there were some experience that you did the cooperation uh, or the academia made the cooperation with different stakeholders. But we were wondering, do you have direct experience where the uh, you involved actively involved with the CSOs uh, contribute to positive change? Is there a specific case you can uh, explain to us? Yes, um, I think so. So one experience that, that we developed in the past uh, few years uh, is um, our work with uh, a benefit corporation in the Netherlands. This benefit corporation, you know, or B Corp, uh, as it usually is called, uh, is uh, called the Nudge in, uh, in the Netherlands. And uh, they are specialized in forming leaders uh, worldwide or, or change makers uh, worldwide um, on topics related to sustainability. Okay. And uh, our work with them was uh, so we found a very good complementarity, I think, with them because uh, we took uh, in the past uh, decade really the time of developing uh, approaches uh, of uh, systems thinking. Okay, and mapping systems with stakeholders and with uh, change makers in different settings, from farmers uh, to uh, social entrepreneurs uh, to high tech uh, ventures. So, we develop a way for people in general to think in systems and understanding how to address issues that are systemic, okay, from food insecurity to climate change. Uh, poverty, global inequality, and so on. But at the same time, what we lacked as academic was uh, channels to reach out to a large amount of change makers, because, you know, we were very much focused on the process of uh, improving um, our, uh, you know, our trainings, see when they work, experimenting. That's usually what academics do. So we built a very strong uh, um, complementarity with, with Nudge that, in fact, was able to specialize in um, online communication, reaching out to large audiences, attract uh, a global audience of uh, change makers that came to the Netherlands or came in an online space now that we live in, in the pandemics and, and train them to the rhythm of uh, 100 uh, per year. And so the complementarity work is working very well because, you know, uh, we can focus now uh, our energies in developing methods, experimenting new approaches without, uh, you know, in a way, losing our time in communicating, attracting the attention of global audiences, because as academics, we're not specialized in that. But luckily enough, we have a partner like Nudge that does it with us, for us. And within this Nudge uh, program, uh, where we provide our training, in fact, we train uh, uh, every year. Uh, change makers in both large companies, so that work within companies from Heineken to Unilever and so on, uh, in the public sector, you know, like military, even military defense, uh, in water issues, uh, uh, environmental issues at, uh, at in, in public sectors of different countries, and in the civil society. So all the largest NGOs, uh, as well as small, uh, local, 
civil society organization leaders participate to this nudge program and we have the uh, the chance of accessing them so this is for example one mechanism where cooperation with civil society organizations help us to enormously help us enormously to have an impact a transformative impact meaning you know um, a cascade effect that we would not be able to reach uh, if we only would uh, follow the um, our uh, university logics meaning training our students and then hoping that our students will carry the message afterwards so that's this multiplier effect uh, in uh, in partnering with CSO uh, organizations is very important for us and we are looking always for new opportunities to build these linkages Thank you. Thank you, Domenico. It's uh, it's actually very interesting how your answer is connected to my next brief question, because I'm actually going to ask you this. Like I see the innovativeness of uh, the approach you you have with Nudge, and I see the the potential of this approach as well. That I would say is, uh, is unconventional uh, for the at least academia that, uh, that I'm used to, to, to know and get to know. And actually, this is my next question. So, like, it's very much well known that the societal challenges are becoming more and more complex, and this complexity requires a different kind of approach. There is this view of the world that is passing from being Newtonian and deterministic to be much more into seeing the systemic connection among uh, phenomena. And perhaps it's also linked with the leadership program of Nudge and the systemic uh, mapping that uh, is offered by, by, by your, your partnership. This question is much more for academia. So I'm not going to ask you, are you ready for this? Because as far as I know, like you are already implementing several projects about it. But do you think that academia in general, I'm thinking more about the uh, natural science or something that is much more into deep uh, evidence and uh, perhaps structured approaches to uh, collect science evidence. But is it ready to address this complexity? And uh, if not, what do you believe uh, is missing and why not? That's a great question. Thanks again, uh, Carlo. Uh, I think that academia has all the ingredients to deal with the complexity that uh, we are facing. Um, the complexity of the problems, the complexity of the, the interventions that we need to face these problems. In fact, uh, for example, I come from 10 years of work at Wagner University, very strong university in, ter in, uh, in the field of uh, life science and natural sciences and agricultural sciences and food in general. And uh, there is this uh, incredible richness of uh, specific uh, disciplinary knowledge that is uh, constantly used uh, by societal stakeholders. Wageningen, for example, has an enormous uh, impact uh, through their disciplinary life science work on society. Okay, so um, And it does that in several ways. Now, the problem is uh, that uh, despite uh, this incredible disciplinary impact uh, that, we are, that a university like Wageningen had, uh, for decades, the problems that we have at hand are worsening at uh, a dramatic amount, right? I mean, a dramatic rate, something like climate change keeps worsening. Global inequality keeps worsening. Uh, we are facing a pandemic that is increasing the, the gap between, um, between rich and poor worldwide and be, you know, within and across countries. So 
this disciplinary work is necessary, but it's not sufficient, okay, for, for transformative change. So I think that this is the conundrum that we are in. So we need to do something more. We need to do also something different here. Not that substitutes the disciplinary work of universities, but that adds uh, in, uh, in complementary and really intelligent ways. And to do that, I believe that the social sciences should play a very important role in uh, connecting the complexity of the problems and the complexity of the interventions that are needed. Social scientists usually carry this ability of understanding, of organizing science, okay? So that's what uh, social scientists like me also are trained to do, okay? And then think ways of uh, how to combine different dis scientific disciplines, both in the social and natural environment, you know, sphere, uh, to local problems, you know? And uh, because, so this is a work of, first of all, that organizing science, uh, depending on the nature of a problem, is something that requires, first of all, ability of sense-making. Uh, sense making means understanding using necessarily some heuristics what what is the problem after consulting with a variety of people that are influenced or inf or are influencing the problem so that is a work that um, academia does not do enough i believe uh, of uh, really thinking processes of how to organize science in interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary way to address complex problems. And, uh, and, and so this is something that, um, that academia can do and does not do enough. So that's part of the gap. And it would be great to see programs and incentives in general for academia to, to do this organize, organizing science type of work. So I don't know if I'm addressing your question, which of course, as I can see, is a, is a, is a uh, topic of, of huge debate. Of course, because all these in interventions also are expensive, providing these in incentives are expensive and they usually are publicly financed. So uh, requires uh, courage by, um, by public institutions to invest in, in, in academia and betting, you know, that we can actually do this type of uh, complex work. That is, uh, that is indeed, thank you, Domenico, for also summarizing in a few minutes what the hope relies in, right, as well. Like a uh, collaborative process also within science is necessary to address these complex challenges, besides also the societal uh, realm. Um, well, uh, Aisha, I think uh, we, we, we should uh, close this session, uh, but before that, uh, a big thank you, Domenico, for dedicating us and to all the AMI team uh, your time, and we really hope to interact with you in the future, and we hope in the future that academia will play, uh, we are sure about it, will play a crucial role in dealing with the complexity that we are facing. Yeah, thank you. thank you so much. Thank you, Dominica. Thanks to both of you. Do you also have a story to share? Or are you interested in more content from Disrupt Development? Subscribe to our podcast and visit disruptdevelopment.org.